0: episode 3 of the Musicians Journey podcast, where I talk to musicians about their personal journey while I'm navigating my sudden plunge into becoming a freelance cellist. Today I'm speaking to cellist and composer Wilma Pistorius, who we have just been listening to, performing one of her many compositions for solo cello called Introduction. She's originally from South Africa, but well-established in the Netherlands. I first met her in a practice room at the Conservatory of Amsterdam in 2013, and we've kept in touch ever since. The pieces featured in this episode are all composed by Wilma, and the titles are spelled out in the show notes. Without further ado, here is Wilma Pistorius. So, yeah...
1: I was born in South Africa, as you know, and then when I was 13, my parents moved to Holland because my dad wanted to do his PhD. So they got everything arranged and I didn't have to do any paperwork, which is very luxurious. And then when I was 18, I got my Dutch passport and stayed (laughs) ever since. I moved to Amsterdam when I started studying, which was in 2009. And since then, Amsterdam's pretty much been my home, even though I live outside the city now, but it's still like the hub, (laughs) I'd say.
0: Yeah. How did you get into making music?
1: Well, when I was three, uh, my parents and I were in England, in Bath. And there was a lady playing cello on the street. (laughs) And I was fascinated. And I said that I wanted to do that too. So my mom said, okay, when you're four, you can do that. And I don't know, maybe she thought I would probably forget. (laughs) So when I was almost four, like two weeks before my birthday, I asked if she'd bought a cello yet, and she hadn't. So they got right on it. And then a month after my birthday, I started to cello, with a very tiny cello, as you can imagine, and I've been doing it ever since. With composing, it's been there's a less clear starting point, but I was always like making up little tunes and things. And then, just before I finished high school, my cello teacher gave me a flyer for a composition contest because she knew I would make little little songs and things and so i sent in a thing and actually won the competition uh it was from the Netherlands Blazers ensemble or were a wind ensemble and they do this big new year's concert every year in the concertgebouw in amsterdam and so they played my piece there and then i thought maybe this was something i could do <laughs> and so it became something i did yeah. <laughs> which is nice <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, so you studied both cello performance and composition in Amsterdam? Yeah. Yes. I studied composition in Amsterdam and did
1: mostly everything there. And I did cello in Rotterdam at the same time, which I would not recommend to anyone. <laughs> but it was uh, practical
0: at the time. And you have been... Um venturing into a more or less freelancing career. Is that right? That's true.
1: Yeah. Also, there's not a clear starting point. But I started teaching cello in 2011, 12, somewhere there. And first, like everyone, it was just under the counter. (laughs) cash money in my tin, uh, which was nice. And then there came a point where I registered as a proper legal freelancer uh, quite a bit later. Yeah. And that was actually very nice because it suddenly made me feel like what I'm doing is really work. When I go to rehearsals, it was no longer... Just rehearsing it was actually work, even though I didn't get paid for it. Because at least in Holland, they have something called uh, Norm, which is a regulation that says you're officially an entrepreneur if you spend what is it? 1,224 hours per year working for yourself. And uh, and then certain things apply to you. So you have to keep track of all the time you spend working in your own business. Oh wow! So, uh, yes, I started keeping a list of practicing cello, responding to emails, traveling to rehearsals, traveling to teaching. And it comes down to like a lot. Yeah. Sometimes it's 40 hours a week. And previously, I just felt bad because I didn't get paid for it. But now suddenly those hours were good for something. <laughs> so that was actually very nice.
0: Yeah. yeah. I have a, I'm haven't. just getting used <laughs> to talking to people again. It's been such a bubble. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah.
1: There's some days when it's like three in the afternoon and I haven't said a word. And then I make a phone call and my voice is like... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized that this is my first utterance of the day. It's
0: weird. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I can relate to that. Uh, and I can relate to uh, your mother waiting a year or saying, Oh, you can do that in a year. Although I, I experienced it maybe in an opposite way, because when I started playing cello when I was nine, I wanted to quit. And my mom said, oh, wait until the summer or until the holiday. And then I had forgotten I wanted to quit. So that was, uh, I'm grateful today for that kind of, um, what's that, strategy.
1: It's very clever because I guess children have lots of passing whims. I mean, me as an adult also has lots of passing whims. Did you always want to play cello or have you had waves?
0: <laughs> I uh, had no idea what cello was until my first <sighs> lesson. It was my mom who suggested it and I said, OK, and I, uh, I had no idea what it was actually. But I've just uh, realized luckily with time that it was the perfect instrument for me. And I'm so grateful to be playing just that. Actually, I am um, not even attracted much to other instruments. Like a lot of people really want to uh, play around with different instruments, and if they see uh, an instrument uh, in a room, then they have they have to go over to it and uh, and try it and play with it and. I just uh, have no interest at all. I just want to play my cello and nothing else. But it's, it seems like such a nice combination to play an instrument and compose. And I, I never got into making my own music at all, actually. Like, does it um, come to you? Or do you just decide that now I'm going to make some music and you sit down and you make some? A little bit of both, really. Yeah,
1: I've heard from more people that it's just something that I couldn't possibly imagine doing. Yeah, there are times like that I have, there have been times in the past when I felt like I really need to write something now. <laughs> and then it just happens. Uh But usually it's a a slower process, like writing the actual notes comes later on. First I have an idea, then I think about what the idea is and uh, the concept and sort of shape. And then writing the notes comes later, and it's not something I can really force if it's not ready. uh, If the notes aren't ready to come, then they don't. And so I can decide that I'm going to work today, but then it's just not the time. And then I just do other things like go for a walk or clean my flat. Uh, And something I realized uh, is that once I've written something, I can't unwrite it because then it exists. So I need to take care to wait long enough until it's ready. Otherwise I've written something that I'm not really happy with, but conscious to raise. So it's, uh, yeah, the beginning is very sort of, yeah, you have to wait until the time is right. But then once the piece is going, then then it's easy to jump in and just work on it. Mm. But it's not very predictable. What I like about playing the cello is you can just take your cello and practice of course it doesn't always work but it's more like if you're not in the mood you can just play a scale and it's always possible <laughs> so it's very yeah reliable
0: you don't have like, um, similar like composing exercises like like the way you can sit down and play a scale on the cello you can have some kind of exercise in a composition method <laughs> that's actually a very good question yeah, I'm sure you could do some
1: technical analysing maybe yeah. or just writing a fugue for the sake of it. <laughs> but <a> usually <laughs> <laughs> but usually I to really write something to feel like it's good use of my time, I need to have a reason for writing it. And if there's no reason then I might as well do something else that can be more inspiring to watch my plants and go for a walk, then focus on a piece of paper. But something that I really like about composing is that everything I do contributes. It's actually also like playing cello. Maybe it's even a broader freelance thing, but in any case, for when I'm making a piece, my entire life contributes to it in a way that I'm sometimes aware of, sometimes not. So it's a very holistic process almost and I think the same goes for yeah being a freelance artist everything you do counts sometimes you don't know how it's going to affect it but if you go to a concert and speak to someone you know you can end up working with that person or if you have a really good holiday and you're well rested then you could come up with an idea for a project that can be a real success and
0: You never know what it's going to be. Yeah, or if you you had a bad night's sleep and you're feeling uh, really shitty, you can also come up with something that you wouldn't have come up with otherwise. Definitely. (laughs) Mm. And with composing, you can take an order from wherever in the world, right? And you can work wherever you want to. There's a lot of freedom in, in that, right?
1: Yes, that's pretty nice. You can do it anywhere at all. As long as there is no fucking noise. And a desk and <laughs> uh and a cup of tea. And then that's great. You're good to go. Which is makes very flexible. And you don't have to you don't really have to travel to meet people. It helps if you can, but you don't have to. Which in this time is very convenient.
0: Yeah. 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 How has this COVID time affected your freelancing?
1: It's been very good, actually. Uh, Right at the beginning, I was substituting for someone who was pregnant. And so I had a lot of her students. And most of them wanted online lessons because they didn't want to take the risk of getting COVID. So I was teaching online quite a lot suddenly uh, and that was very nice because for the first time ever that also gave me location flexibility for cello work which meant I could escape to the countryside in Scotland <laughs> and I was teaching online a lot when I was there I don't think I would do that again because I don't like spending so much time behind my computer <laughs> yeah. but at the time it was really good. And it was also good to have structure and see people. But as far as composing goes, because I suddenly had loads of time, like everyone, and I had fled to Scotland. And so I really needed something to do. And so I put an ad on social media saying I'm writing short pieces on request, hoping I'd get one or two, (laughs) and I got more than 20. So that was really a boost for composing work. Not all of this was paid work. It was also not my intention to get paid work, or like just having something to occupy myself with. But some of those things have turned into more promising collaborations, and I think the most important thing I got from it was seeing that people are very eager for pieces and music and that there's actually a big demand for it. And it's usually difficult to find people who are interested in working with you, but when everyone suddenly had a lot of time (laughs) and everyone needed something inspiring, at least a lot of people, then what I had to offer was suddenly very much valued.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting to see how uh, something can get consequences that you weren't um, expecting. Like it's um, it's impossible to know what can lead to something uh, valuable in the future. Yes. Have you experienced yes. something like that, something unexpected? Yes, definitely. Uh
1: it's or how things grow. Sometimes things grow more than you could anticipate. Uh, for example, uh, I can do more than I've been trained to do. It's not only about the skills you spend 10,000 hours on. But for example, I never really learned to improvise. I just sort of learned through playing. And maybe I'm not really expert improvising, but I can still sort of do it well enough to entertain people (laughs) and be pleased with it myself. Or, for example, teaching composition, which I never, ever learned, but sort of works well enough if I do it. Mm -hmm. And because we spend so much time perfecting our skills of playing our instrument or our teaching, we... I think, can have the idea that something is only good enough if it's really, really good. But there are all these other skills we have that we don't even know about that can actually be really valuable. And it's also about being open and being willing to explore and experiment and try new things. And sometimes you can be surprised what you end up doing. And then that can be really fun as well. When I was studying, I had Alexander Technique lessons from Doris who's a cellist, as you know. And then I had lessons from her every week or two for many years. And so I gave her the score of the cello piece I'd written for you. (laughs) And then she ended up playing it. And then I ended up writing a piece for her and her pianist. And then they performed it many times and made a very beautiful video of it. And... Now I have a very nice sort of friendship, working relationship with them. That just came out of somebody telling me I should take lessons from her, which was
0: unexpected. Yeah, because it has also led you to take this whole course in Alexander Technique. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) With all its consequences.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's cool how... I think it's like a path, and every time you meet someone, it's a new turn, and so it goes somewhere, and you can't always imagine where it goes. Like another time when I went to a concert by Maya, and just spoke to random people because I was there by myself, <laughs> and then met this German man who is a percussion player and wanted to do yoga concerts in the woods, and so we did a yoga concert in the woods and later on in the summer we played with some Brazilians who played Brazilian jazz and so I got into improvising and that was a lot of fun and all of that just because I'd gone to my concert by myself on a whim.
0: <laughs> yeah that's a great yeah. example yes I um, uh, had a very brief small talk with a more or less random guy I'd never met, which led me to attend an event he had invited me to, and there I met someone who now opened his own yoga studio, and I've started playing cello uh, during his yoga classes. Oh, that's so nice! And this has been a time span over uh, two and a half years, from that little small talk. To, that's uh, so cool. And and it's still continuing. And then. And then they want me to meet someone they know, and then I meet someone they know, and one just has to jump into it and do something that doesn't seem to be fruitful at the moment, but it can actually lead to something anyway. And if it doesn't, then that's, you know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think for me,
1: uh, there was a point where I got really sick of doing gigs just in case I might meet someone who would give me work. And sort of playing for free because it's good promotion and all of that uh, yeah. that can also be really unproductive but i think if you go into like what you say if you find something that looks interesting and you enjoy doing it and it's fun at the time and you sort of follow the trail with an attitude of curiosity then you can find really cool things but i think uh Proactive attitude is probably what makes the difference. Something I've come to appreciate is that when you are building your career as a freelance artist, it just takes a really long time. And it's not always about getting results now. When I started doing this, I still had the idea that there comes a moment when you're successful and then it's all easy from there and you have lots of work. Uh, like the conventional thing of you study and then you get a job and then you have a job that pays you the same amount of money for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and you never have to think about it again. (laughs) And maybe that is also just outdated. I don't even know how that works in normal society, but uh, maybe that was also just how things were in the 90s when I was growing up. But in any case... And now, for me, with the work I do, it's nice to know that it doesn't matter if I don't have success with this already next year, but probably in five years, you know, the piece I'm writing now at the moment will have consequences that lead to things that lead to other things, and then it'll sort of culminates, yeah, in the longer term,
0: yeah. empty day, say, cause I guess it happens occasionally and you are uh, you are planting your freelance musician tree. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you have a routine on how to structure your day? Well, when I want to, I usually decide in advance
1: what I want to do on a day. Uh, first of all, what? Well, I don't, I have quite a lot of days that are full of things in the outside world, even now, because of the Alexander Technique training I do. So I don't have lots and lots of open days like probably many people <laughs> have at the moment. Um, so that probably makes a difference for me. Um But for example, I usually decide that I want to compose Wednesday and Friday and Saturday this week, even if I have the whole week free. And then when the day comes, uh, I usually start working in the morning. I find that the first thing I do after breakfast usually determines what I end up doing the rest of the day. (laughs) So if I want to do creative work, I need to not start by reading my email. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. I just s- start off having breakfast and looking out the window and then getting my things out on the desk and starting to work. And then I have a break at some point when I was in Scotland in the spring, I would then bake bread <laughs> yeah. and work a little bit more. And then at some point go for a walk, um, and usually then in the afternoon I'm sort of done with composing and then just do other things and then sometimes come back to it later in the day. So it's a very, it's not really scheduled. Like I'm going to work from nine to 11 and then have a break, etc. but it's got a free but clear structure.
0: Mm. Uh
1: that's quite nice for me.
0: Do you take notes about what to do or what you have done?
1: With composing, you mean, or just generally?
0: Generally, I mean, I've taken a habit of um, doing more of that. I used to be more impulsive and do what I feel like doing and not even think about what I did yesterday or last week or um, I, I used to not really think much about direction in general, and now yeah, yeah. I am getting more onto the direction track and, uh, writing about what I want to do today, maybe the day before, like the night before, maybe I have an idea what I would like to do the next day or on a Sunday, I might want to make some focus points for the week to come. So to have some short-term goals, some long-term goals, and also to make a note of what I did during the day. Maybe maybe it can be useful to look back at later. And also I feel good when I actually see a list of things that I did.
1: That's so good to make a retrospective list. Yeah. Yeah, because then you can have a concrete overview of what you've done and not feel like you've not achieved anything yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good idea i'll do that (laughs) yeah i usually i usually have a list of uh practical things i need to do like write to people and send this form here etc and then i have a more fun creative list like with less specific goals like i'd like to practice cello and i'd like to do some research for this piece or think about that. Things that are not done in one go. I sometimes, you Now, usually my week is structured so that I have an afternoon when I reply to emails. I find that quite nice. Otherwise, I'm just doing it here and there and it sort of leaks a lot of energy. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, focus points for the week are definitely helpful. Uh, something I also did back in the autumn when I had a lot of different projects going on and that it was a little bit too much to think about. So I made a list of all the things that were <laughs> going on, all the different projects and things I wanted to do and things I were working on at the moment or that I wanted to pursue and then rated them in order of importance. So there's urgent things that have to happen now, uh, urgent but not a priority, <laughs> Ongoing. For example, uh, if I want to work with people and I've written to them but not heard back from them, then it's sort of still open on the background, but I don't actively have to do something for it.
0: Yeah.
1: And things I would like to do, but don't have time for now, so they're like blue <laughs> for in the future. Yeah. And I found that was very nice to just have one piece of paper with an overview of all the things that I wanted to do or was working on. And yeah, but I don't use it at the moment because it's a bit calmer.
0: (laughs) Mm. Now I came to think about something I did when I was, um, I guess, early teens, or 12 or something, I would uh, make a kind of worm on paper but made up of circles, and one circle represented one hour, or maybe half an hour, and as I would practice, I would color these uh, parts of this worm, and of course the goal was then to reach the head and color the whole thing by the end of the week. And different things to practice at different colors, so it looked like a very colorful and nice worm. India. It was a super fun thing to do. I haven't thought about it in such a long time. That's so, so nice, yes. yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Having That's something so uh, nice. tangible that shows what we have been doing. It happens when we are younger, doesn't it? It's such a children-friendly thing. Anything with color, basically. And I think it can still work, even though we are in our 30s or whatever. <laughs> I think it's a really good
1: idea to have uh, something tangible. Because what you do when you practice an instrument is you, you practice something and then it's really great today and tomorrow it's like you've never played it before.
0: Mm, yes. <laughs> and when you are
1: freelancing, you... You make a website and then nothing happens immediately for it or you send lots of emails to people and then you don't hear back from them and so you felt like you didn't achieve anything so it can be really nice to do that and then you also have an overview of how you spent your time did you do digital things or did you play your instrument or did you or whatever
0: <laughs> yes nice yeah, to feel like um, I achieved something uh, no matter what, actually. When I spend time on something, I I do something. And of course, yeah. it's nice to, to get replies to those emails you send out. But if not, then it was anyway something I did. And uh, to not only focus on what I haven't done or... To always have a to-do list and to focus on what hasn't been done. I think
1: it's very much about the process as well. I mean, it's always nice to get results. And I think we're culturally tuned to wanting results. But it's also much more enjoyable. Just enjoy the way how you're doing things. And focus more on what you're doing at the moment and then everything you do counts. And everything you do is important because you're doing it, as you say.
0: Yeah. This is and that is more a, about the journey. <laughs> yes, it's about the journey. This is becoming a little Buddhistic now. I like that. It's, uh, <laughs> if you're Indeed. mindful about everything you do, it's worth it in itself.
1: Even wasting time. Can be good sometimes. <laughs> yes. I don't think you can really waste time. I guess if you enjoy it, then it wasn't wasted. <laughs> exactly. Yes, last spring I was composing a lot and quite busy despite the fact that it was all locked down. And then there was this one afternoon when I went outside for a walk and I sat in the sun and drank a cup of tea and watched the river and the cherry blossom trees. And I just knew at that moment that this was the most productive thing I could
0: be doing. (laughs) Yes, I can sometimes feel really stuck inside and then I go outside and things just loosen up. And when I get home again, I know what to do or not to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Changing it. I think it's
1: important to include your body use your whole self (laughs) and then you have a much more inclusive way of going about it.
0: your cello playing, which is, yeah, performing music, and you have composing, which is composing music. And you also have Alexander Technique, which is about awareness of your body. It's a really uh, complementing triangle of different things. That's true. Yes. And
1: tell my lovely cello students not to forget. Uh, But yes, I find that sometimes I I long for a more simple life with just less things to focus on. But I also like the variety and uh, diversity of it. And I think the challenge is balancing things so that I have enough time for everything and not to try and do everything at once. (laughs) Like when I have a day for... Playing cellos and I just have to forget about composing. But of course, the other things are always still part of me. So it will never not be there. But as a matter of attention, it's like a little bit of a spotlight that got more here, more there.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's definitely interesting. And it's nice how things feed each other. For example, I. Meet people through playing, who I then end up writing for. Or I write a piece for somebody who then becomes a student.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Or things like this. It's all cross-referenced. Yes. And unexpected, which makes it fun.
0: Have you had any surprises as a self-employed musician? Any moments of thinking, why did... No one ever told me that. (laughs) There are so many things that I wish people had
1: told me earlier on. One of those things, and this sounds really, really, really basic, but it's okay to ask money for your work. (laughs) Especially when you make art or you do something that you really care about. For me, for a long time, it felt like if I ask money for it, it would look like I'm just doing it for the money and I don't really care about it. And, you know, uh, but then there came a point that I realized that people actually value something more if they're paying for it, because then they're more aware of the objective value. Mm. And then they take it for granted less. And that just gives me more of a sense of yeah, being valued and then I do better work. (laughs) But I think there's also a, kind of fear of being commercial or sellout Mm. or you know (laughs) i mean i wish i was i really wish i was but it's it can be difficult but it's really really okay because it's what we do and it's our work
0: how do you set your prices that's something i haven't yet figured out how to do because i find if there's something i want to do i um i want to do it so it almost doesn't matter if I'm paid or how much I'm paid. Uh, and if there's something that I'm not very tempted to do, I will ask like a high sum of money for it. Uh-huh. And then it's it's really cool if uh, I get paid that much. And if not, then I'm not at all sad to not do that job. <laughs> and, uh, That's totally fair. Uh, yes, like all of these... Um, Uh, jobs we do are so different from each other when it comes to the amount of preparation the the time it takes uh, the mental energy it takes all of these things and um, I find I can't put standard prices on almost anything at all it's it's all definitely individual yes Mm.
1: I think it really depends also it depends how you feel about it and what the situation is and for example if you do a concert with really wealthy people coming to it who are paying a lot for the ticket it's different than if you're playing in a little church where they you know I think it's just good to have a minimum amount in mind like you're not playing for less than a certain amount so that you don't compromise yourself mm Unless, of course, there's something you really want to do and it would be really (laughs) fun and then it would just be stupid to not do it. Yeah, yeah, I recently made a first with cello playing. I had to make the step of no longer playing for free. Mm. It was already some years ago and that was very nice. And then I recently made a next step, which is doing things for fun (laughs) that don't pay. Not even... Not even with the hope of getting work from them, but just doing them because they're fun. Yeah. Like jamming with someone or, you know, stuff like this. It's very helpful because there is a Dutch association of composers. They have a table with fees for prices, like how much you should ask according to them. So it's like, How many is it for, for example, zero to three musicians, zero to five minutes. They have how many musicians on one axis and then how many minutes on the other. And so they just have a really neat overview of how much you should ask for pieces. And so I I look at that sometimes to see if what I have in mind is more or less right. But with composing, I find it very difficult because it's just so nice to work with people. But at the same time, yeah, doing something that doesn't pay well or doesn't pay at all is not better than nothing. If it devalues what you do, then it's better not to do it than to do it and not get the right amount of appreciation for it. This was one of the spring's lessons.
0: (laughs) I, I definitely have an urge to be available for the people who aren't necessarily rich and that's something i find hard because to charge properly for something uh it's it's quite an amount of money actually and uh, yeah. if it, if you're um a young person and you have made your own songs in your home studio and you would love to have some cello in your songs then you'll probably not uh yeah afford uh, that and that's such a shame yeah i would definitely not wanna
1: yeah exclude people because they can't afford to pay a really good decent fee uh if you feel like They're not taking advantage of you, and they honestly just want you to play a couple of cello lines for their album. I would still ask money for it just on general principle, but maybe less, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I, when I set up my project of writing small pieces on demand and started charging money for it, I decided that this is the fee, but If I get approached by people who are young professionals or students or very collaborations that look really nice, then I will give them a discount, say up to 50%. And I mean, this wasn't open information. This was just something I decided for myself, especially because if I get asked for a really cool project and I want to do it and I'm very tempted to just do it for free, well, that wouldn't Mm -hmm. be... Well, that wouldn't be fair to myself,
0: Yeah,
1: but it really depends where you are and who is asking. I mean, if a friend asks me to play for them, I totally would. And you can totally go with your instinct if you think something is worth your time. Then that also gives you a sense of purpose and inspiration, and that's also really important. Yeah, I once had the experience of meeting some musicians who I really enjoyed playing with. And then they asked me to come to Norway to play on their album. And so I did, and I ended up feeling really exploited, even though I really liked them as people before, but I felt like I really contributed something musical to their album that wouldn't have been there without me. And yet I wasn't getting paid and they were going to sell their album and, you know, So I didn't feel like it was uh, equally balanced. And since then I've been very cautious with just saying yes on the basis that I think there is a friendly relation underneath it while actually you're sort of being taken advantage of.
0: Mm.
1: And yeah, I mean, that was a very good learning experience. (laughs) Something that I really liked um, from a tattoo artist who I approached a couple of years ago and actually my idea of writing small pieces on request was inspired by tattoo artists who couldn't tattoo but were doing drawings on demand and selling them Mm -hmm. during the first lockdown it's actually what gave me the idea of writing small pieces this tattoo artist works with a request form If you want work done by her, you need to fill in a little form to say who you are and what your idea is and what you would like and how big and what is your maximum budget. And then, of course, if that doesn't correspond to what she does, then she will let you know and maybe you need to change your idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I also made a form for people who want small pieces. With for example, how many instruments do you want it to be for and how long do you want it to be and what is the maximum amount that you think you would want to pay for it? Say someone wants a piece of ten minutes for four instruments and they're not they don't have the means to pay for all that much, then I could go, Well that's not gonna be possible, but I could write you a small duo piece and then that could also work for them, you know. So it can also be nice just to ask. Yes. But if you're, if you're talking about it, then it's a bit more awkward, I think. But if you have a way of sort of testing the waters to see what a person's idea is of what they have in mind, then, then you can come to some sort of agreement <laughs> and negotiate. Like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to negotiate because people also just have no idea what artists get paid and how what's fair and they just think you show up for half an hour and that's totally worth 50 euros right Mm -hmm. i saw something on the internet of a jazz band like five guys were asked to play on a party on a Saturday evening for three four hours and then they named their price and the person organizing the party was like that's way too much are you crazy you're just coming to play music for us And then the person from the band was really smart and said, okay, call your local plumber and ask your local plumber how much they would ask to send over five guys for four hours on a Saturday evening, and we'll play for that. (laughs) And it's ridiculous, but I mean, plumbers get paid more than we do. And sure, I mean, having your plumbing working is different than having music, but at the same time, for people.
0: <laughs> yeah. So being a freelancing musician has very little to do with sitting in a practice room, actually. It has everything oh, nice. to do with a million other things.
1: And a sense of adventure.
0: A sense of adventure. And these but days it's... Uh, having to know a bit about... Um, different types of software and how one can record oneself at home or um, uh, all of these things that I for sure did not have when I was studying music. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And
1: I mean, playing your instrument is also just so nice and it's such a luxury when you have the time and the peace of mind to really focus on it. Like Looking back, studying was this really luxurious thing because you could learn to be playing three complicated pieces at once and really get into them, mm. not have to think about much else. But I think it's also important to just make time to do that. I mean, maybe not as intensely as when you're studying, but just to spend an hour practicing Bach or whatever, just for your own pleasure.
0: Yes. Yeah. I tried to do that every day and remind myself of um, why I'm doing what I'm doing and to just play and enjoy the playing without thinking about it, having a purpose, uh, making money from it or um, anything like that, only playing and uh, being there in the present moment.
1: It's such a pleasure
0: yeah to do that yes it is yeah. something i really like in your compositions is how you're so open about what inspired them you will include quotes from a book um, <laughs> you won't keep your inspiration only to yourself you will share it with the ones who perform your music that's so nice here uh it didn't even occur to
1: me to not do it, <laughs> but it's it's true. Yeah, it's just nice to also give people more of an idea where it's coming from, so that they can interpret it more in the way it was meant.
0: Yeah,
1: And on one hand, maybe this all needs to be included in the music and be so obvious that it doesn't need further explanation, but words are also good, and words can also contribute, so yeah, why not? These
0: requests uh, forums uh, where can we find those? Ha. You can go to my new website which oh. is not quite finished but
1: it's up there it's taylormadeartmusic.com <laughs> and you can go to the bit saying request a piece and then you can find requests from there in English and in Dutch
0: nice
1: and, yeah, and it's so nice to have Input from people about what they want, something personal, and if people want a piece about their cat, then I'm totally willing to give it a go, you know. Yeah. And it's nice to have this element of unexpectedness,
0: and not only do things that I come up with. Yeah, because you have that uh, requests for um, interesting uh, instruments and like a combination of instruments, right? Yeah. 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 There have been some cool things like bass flute
1: and viola da gamba and medieval double recorder and pen flute and just the sort of things that wouldn't normally occur to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I have one last question for you. Tell me. What does it mean for you to be a musician?
1: Ah, oh, to be a musician. It means such a lot of things, but I think for me mostly it's about sharing humanness and communicating communication and sharing positivity with people and connecting
0: beautiful, yeah, yeah. Would you say there are some people who are not musicians?
1: I think there are definitely people whose approach I don't agree with. But there are definitely still musicians.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we only have a couple more minutes. So where can people find you?
1: (laughs) Myname.com Awesome. Go ahead. Go have a look and get in touch.
0: Thank you for listening. I'll include relevant links in the show notes. So if you are looking for a new piece for your more or less normal combination of instruments in your chamber music group, or just for yourself, you can commission it from Wilma on the website taylormadeartmusic.com. If you, for any reason, feel like getting in touch, feel free to write me an email. The address is in the show notes and on my website, regnilvestenberg.com. In the next episode, I'll be talking to harpist Anastasia Resvaliaeva, who has experienced our rocketed journey during the past year, being based in Budapest during the lockdowns.